majesty. It's one of those words that you use to describe God. But you know, it's hard though when you think about God and who He is. If we had, and I've said this before, if we had all the vocabulary of all the languages on the earth, and we were to devote all the languages and all the vocabulary of all the languages to describing God, and somehow just separate out everything else, we could not, even in that, be able to contain or express how awesome God is. In fact, in going into this uh, series of messages, I kind of, a, I kind of try to think, how can I express what I'm feeling on the inside? Because other than something like this, have you ever started a project that you got into it and it was all ended up being a lot larger than you realized? Raise your hand. Building a house, renovating a house, getting married. You started that and you didn't realize all it was when you got into it. Having children, oh my land. You have children and you just think they're precious and innocent and then they grow up and become teenagers. Uh, And they're still precious in their own way. But things happen. Life happens. Things grow bigger and larger than than you anticipated and you just kind of can become overwhelmed with it, whatever it is in life. You know, whether it's uh, moving or a job change or whatever. So I, I just want to say, if, if you feel that way, welcome to my life right now. Because jumping in, diving in, getting wet in this subject that we're going to talk about for five weeks is really impossible. There's really no way. The more I, I dove into it in study and preparation, the more I found that it is bottomless. That there is no end to this. So really what we're doing today is more or less just going to kind of, kind of turn on the tap. Just turning on the tap, just hopefully to get a pool full of water that we can get wet in, and hopefully it'll change our life. But when you think about turning on a tap and what that represents, and you know, we all have them in our house. They come in different shapes and sizes, and they come more expensive than others. They come with handles. They come with two handles. They come with just all these kind of things of, of taps that we can get and put into our homes. But when you think about a tap and what it means, we teach our four-year-old or a three-year-old or a two-year-old to brush their teeth by going to the tap and turning it on. We, we, we fill up bathtubs with taps. And a little child might think that you just go to the, to, to the, the, hole, to the thing on the, by the sink and you turn it on and it always comes on. Until you live in a third-world country and you realize that maybe they've run out of water. And the, the water's not always at the tap. And you have to go carry the water. And, you know, so sometimes we can get, come up with a very limited perspective on, on this tap, that, 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 that this tap gives us this and it's always going to be there. And, and, but really, we're not even, excuse me, the pun, we're not even touching the surface of what water is. Just by turning on a tap that's maybe attached to a quarter-inch pipe that's underneath our sink is not exactly getting into water. It's only, it's only, again, touching that surface and getting into the very beginnings of it. Because really, when you look at the, 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 the world's surface, think about our globe for just a moment. I mean, take a picture and look at our globe uh, here. I mean, this great big blue marble that's out here hung out in this galaxy that, that God created on, a, on merely a breath. And he, created, he creates this world and he, he puts it in motion. And here we are, just little, little pea-sized ant on this big globe, and and we're only here for a short time, but when God created it, He created 70% of it to be water. 
And you think about all the places that you've gone and explored and traveled and, and different things like that. I, I count up 17 different countries I've been in, 35 different states. I feel like I, I've traveled quite a bit, at least a little bit. I feel like I've seen a lot of parts of the world and been to a lot of different places and at the same time. Even though I might have traveled 20 or 30 or 40 nations out there, have I even really covered this globe? When 70% of it is water? So really, when, when, when we come to this, this subject, really all we're doing is just turning on the tap. We're just turning on the tap of something that is far greater, far deeper, far wider out there. In fact, uh, geologists uh, suspect that there are 321 million cubic miles of ocean alone. That doesn't include lakes and rivers and streams and marshes and different things like that. Just in the ocean alone. It's a great big pond out there. What's the analogy? The analogy is this, is that we're talking about a subject called the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to turn on the tap for five weeks. Because really, if I think about it, how can a finite mind in five limited weeks talk about the infinite that has lasted and been for eternity? There's no way. So please, let this just be something that will pique your interest, cause you to want to study further, cause you to want to go deeper and understand what is what the Bible it sometimes calls a mystery. Because it is. There, in fact, it's such a mystery whenever the writers from Genesis to Revelation were putting it together and trying to describe this Holy Spirit out there. They couldn't come to an agreement on one, one title. There are 13 different names for the Holy Spirit in the Bible alone. Thirteen different names. That means they couldn't even come and agree upon one name because one name does not contain everything in it to describe adequately who the Holy Spirit is. I'll tell you who He's not. He's not a whatchamacallit. He's not an it. Okay, that really grates on my skin when we call the Holy Spirit an it. I mean, He's a person. He's a personhood. There's a personhood, a part of the Trinity. He's not a whatchamacallit. He's not an it. He's not a thing. He's, he's not the man upstairs. He's not a spirit. He is the, definite article, the Holy Spirit. There's not multiple Holy Spirits. There's actually, the Bible makes it pretty clear when it talks about spirits that there are basically three kinds of spirits. There is the human spirit of which every one of us is born with and given by God in His creation and when He breathed into us the breath of life. There is the Holy Spirit that we speak of and then there are evil spirits. So you can narrow it down pretty quickly there whenever you're ciphering through the different elements of the Spirit. Now, the Spirit's hard to put your arms around. The Bible most of the time uses metaphors to describe the Spirit. They use metaphors like fire and wind and water to describe the Spirit because you couldn't put Him in a bodily form. There are 13 different names. You can't explain Him or contain Him, but you can feel Him. You can hear Him. You can follow Him. You can't touch Him, but He can touch you. He's your constant companion and your convicting conscience. He will comfort you at one moment and the next moment make you feel uncomfortable. He does all of this work and He does it in an amazing way. In a way that you can't, again, you can't touch Him, you can't smell Him, you can't taste Him, but you know He's there. Fifty-seven different ministries does He perform in the Bible. I want to give you just a few of them. You can jot them down and study them in your own time. But here's just a few of the ministries that the Holy Spirit does in the life of those who are followers of Jesus Christ. 
creating the universe. Well, he did that for everybody. Genesis 1 and Psalm 104, he inspired the Old and the New Testament. He comes upon people. That means he comes upon them in a special way, in a unique way, for maybe a task or something he's called them to do. He restrained Satan's power in Isaiah 59. He empowered Jesus in Matthew 12. He regenerates, baptizes, indwells, seals, and fills the believers. There are so many different ministries and, and, and parts of our life that the Holy Spirit is about that we can only again today just turn on the tap. Just begin to, 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 to discuss it and unpack it. When you come to the Holy Spirit, the topic of the Holy Spirit, some people are afraid to talk about it. They're afraid because they don't know and they're afraid that they, that they may misrepresent Him and, or, or they, maybe they're, they're afraid of the charismaniacs. You know, they're afraid that they might go too far. So you, you kinda, you're going to go this far or you're going to go this far. You're either going to ignore Him or you're going to overemphasize Him and, and, and make Him something that He isn't. And so you can, you, can, you can abuse Him in so many different ways, understanding Him is so vitally important. They don't know Him. Many times people don't know Him, and so they create other spirits around, and they recognize other spirits around, as, as, and they call that their God voice or their God consciousness. But again, I said there are three kinds of spirits, and this is very important for you to, to latch on to, because in a world of spirituality, and we're living in a world of growing spirituality, spirits are becoming more and more prominent in writings and beliefs and teachings and thoughts and people, what people are listening to. But here's a test. If there are three, the Bible identifies three different types of spirits, then you need to determine what kind of spirit that they're talking about. That's, that's scriptural. You need to test the spirits, the Scripture says, okay? What kind of spirit is speaking to me here? Is it, is it God's spirit? Because if it's God's spirit, it's going to align itself with God's Word. My spirit can speak to me. Some people call it your conscience. You know, my spirit is not always right, so I need to make sure my spirit has been truly, truly surrendered to God's spirit. And then I've dealt with people, and maybe you have as well, that speak of other spirits that speak to them. And those you need to be very careful of, because the only thing I can see in Scripture from that are demonic spirits. You say, what about angels out there? Attending other angels, or ministering to angels unattended, or angels ministering to us unattended. i get that straight in a moment. What about that? Well, they're not spirits. They're angels. They're angelic beings. So we've got to think it through this and, 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 and from a biblical point of view. So take your Bibles and we find the book of John. And again, we can only begin to understand and unpack a little bit of the Holy Spirit in, in the next course of the next five weeks, but I hope that, if nothing else, it will pique your curiosity because I really believe that the Holy Spirit completes your relationship with God. The Holy Spirit completes your relationship with God. See, God sent Jesus. You read that in John 3.16. Probably a verse that 90% of us know from heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God sent Jesus. Well, when you read on in the Gospels and you read the life of Christ, who did Christ send? Christ sent the Holy Spirit. So we see God sending Jesus, Jesus sending the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit coming to dwell in the lives of those who are followers of Jesus. And Jesus is the mediator to God. So there is a, a, a continuous cyclic event that's going on here. God sending Jesus, Jesus sending the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit connecting with our hearts, our hearts connecting with Jesus, Jesus being the one mediator between God and man, according to 1 Timothy. Here we are, we've got this connection that continues to circle around. 
You can't separate it. And so here we have Jesus in, 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 in a passage of Scripture where he brings out two realities. Two realities that speak to us in, in John chapter 7 that speak to us and he's preparing for this Pentecostal moment. And again, we'll get into a little bit in the, in the weeks ahead of what happens on Pentecost and well, how was the Holy Spirit working there, but we can't do it all in one Sunday. But I want to give you two realities about the Holy Spirit that you can take home with you today. That hopefully you can take home with you today and let it sink in. So that over the next week and the next few weeks, you'll kind of keep referring back to this one. Keep referring back to this one because this is so foundational. Getting this one down. Getting it down in your heart. Of what is God? How is the Holy Spirit completing my relationship with God? Very important reality, number one, is the Holy Spirit is for those who are thirsty. The Holy Spirit is for those who are thirsty, so I would recommend coming thirsty, all right? Come thirsty. Jesus is at a party. In fact, Jesus, I would say, is a party animal. He likes to, in a biblical sense, okay? He likes to go to parties, he goes to weddings, and he keeps the party going. Here's another example where Jesus goes to a party and it's, it's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And in this, in this party, it was, a, it was an annual event that, these, that the Jewish families would come together and they would prepare for the, 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 the fall season. It's the autumn time of the year. And, and by this time, most of the cisterns and most of the riverbeds are kind of drying up. And it's time also to plant those, those fall crops. And it's also time to think about where we're going to get our water if the rains don't come. And so they would have this Feast of Tabernacle and they would come together and every day for a week they would take, uh, the priest would come to the Pool of Siloam and they would pit, dip out a, a pitcher of water and they would take it to the temple. And in that ceremonial process they would do this for six days. On the seventh day though, they ramped it up. They, went, they made seven trips from the Pool of Siloam back to the temple. Every time, grabbing some water, heaping it up, taking it back with them, and then praying as they went, and praying when they got there, that God would send the rains. Because if the rains don't come, crops don't grow, food's not on the table, and there's water that they need. So it's a real simple process. So they, came, they prayed for rain. It was a real simple process. And then on the eighth day, though, it was a separate thing. They, they would not come to the, to the pool of Sodom. They would not necessarily go to the temple and take their water, but they would definitely have a time of prayer. It would also be a time of feasting, celebration, anticipating that God would provide for them. But here, here's something to hang on to. Everybody in their minds during this time was anticipating, was praying for, was longing for rain to come. So that's the context in which we, we're, we're jumping into this passage because I'm only going to read three verses. So here it is, verse 37. Now on the last day of the great day of the feast. Now what's this? That's the Feast of Tabernacles that I just described to you. On the last day of the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, from his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit. He phrased there. Whom those who believed in him were to receive. For the Spirit was not given, was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now there's a whole bunch 
to unpack in that last verse. Jesus is referring to the Spirit. The Spirit has not yet come. Pentecost, we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. The Spirit has not yet come. He will come, and when He comes, He can't come yet because Jesus hasn't been glorified. Jesus is going to die. He's going to, that's not a glorifying moment, but Jesus will rise again. That will be a glorifying moment. Jesus will ascend to heaven. That will be another glorifying moment. There's coming a day, and it's not time yet for the Spirit to come in all His power and all, all His glory. So Jesus is just preparing the way for the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. Jesus is preparing the way for the Holy Spirit. But He makes this connection. He makes this connection in this metaphor again. Even Jesus is using metaphors to describe the Holy Spirit. He says that this Holy Spirit will come. Those who want to be thirsty no longer come to me. Come to me. And there's two realities that I know about life, and I know about you if I don't even know your name. And I want you to jot these down in your notes. One is that everyone is thirsty. I believe everyone in this room, whether they believe it or not, in their spirit is thirsty. There's a vacuum inside of all of us. I believe it was Thomas Campos said that, or, uh, uh, said that there's a God-shaped void in us. That until that God-shaped void, that vacuum is filled, we will constantly be putting things in to fill up that void. We've got to have the void filled up inside of us. Every one of us is thirsty. I believe it. Jesus is speaking to the entire crowd. Now notice again in, verse, in, in, in that verse that we just read. If anyone is thirsty, he's saying this to the whole crowd. He's not leaving anybody out. He's not going over here to Chris and say, Hey, Chris, if you're thirsty... Or Kelly, if you're thirsty, come. He's saying it to everybody. It's an open invitation because the reality is every single one of us in this room, unless we have taken that vacuum, that God-shaped void inside of us, unless it has been filled by God Himself, then we are thirsty. Now we can continue to shove other things in there. We can continue to find substitutes. We can continue to explore different religions. We can continue to fill it up with money and material and we can do all kinds of things. But until that God-shaped void is filled by God, it will always be longing for more. A couple examples, and again, I think this guy's an extreme example of it, but I think he, he definitely communicates the point. Mike Tyson, the former heavyweight champion boxer of the world, made this statement in one of his times of of crisis, which were many. Um, But this is what he said. He said, I'll never be happy. I believe I'll die alone. I would want it in that. I, I would want it that way. I've been a loner all my life and with my secrets and my pain, I'm I'm really lost, but I'm trying to find myself. Now listen to just all the the confusion going on in his mind. I just want to escape. I'm really embarrassed by myself and my life. I want to be a missionary. I think I could, could, could do that while keeping my dignity. I'm not going to, to be a Jesus freak, but that's what I'm going to give my life to. I love Jesus. I believe in Jesus too. And I'm a Muslim. Listen, I've got an imam, I've got a rabbi, I've got a priest, I've got a reverend. I've got them all. This is a confused man. This is a man who's thirsty. This is a man who is actually put out, probably on paper, in an interview, what I believe us in our composure 
before Christ and before a relationship with Christ really live like. We're just longing, we're grabbing, we're stretching. We want, we want something because we're thirsty. Every one of us are thirsty. Are you thirsty right now? Douglas Copeland's secret cry in his book, Life After God, is another example of a more educated approach, <laughs> less flamboyant. In his 360-page book here, he chronicles a searching and meaning in, uh, for spiritual meaning in life. And this is what he concludes after 360 pages. My secret is that I need God. That I am sick and can no longer make it alone. If your last name's Douglas, if your last name's Tyson, if your last name's McDaniel, whatever your last name is, I'll guarantee you, I know one thing about you is you're thirsty. You're thirsty, you're thirsty, you're thirsty. Jesus recognizes that people are thirsty and it's not talking about water or the tabernacle feast. We're talking about a spiritual drink of water. Here's another reality that I believe. Everyone was created to be satisfied. God did not create us to be thirsty and to live in thirst and to live longing in, in, in a sense of emptiness and hopelessness like a Tyson or a Copeland there. He, he desires that every one of us would be satisfied. And the great news about this is that you don't have to get perfect and figure out all the answers to life before this happens. Because you've just got to get to the point, listen, 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 listen. you've just got to get to the point that you realize you're thirsty. When you get to the point that you realize you're thirsty, then you're able to come thirsty to Him. What did I say? The very first reality is, is, that, is that, that we are a thirsty people. And so we've got to come thirsty to Him. We've got to come to Him and let Him give us the sustenance that we need in our life. And the great thing is, is that God is not expecting you to get it all figured out before you get there. That's the best news. In fact, you can come broken and thirsty and desperate like a Mike Tyson. And God can give you something to drink that will satisfy your inner, 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 inner being. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when, while we were still sinners. He didn't wait. He didn't tell us to get straight, to get things cleaned up, and to quit being thirsty, and then come to Him. He said, come thirsty. Come broken. Come empty. The Holy Spirit is for those who are thirsty. Are you thirsty enough to admit it today? Have you come to a point at some point in your life where you've come to Him broken and thirsty? Augustine said it this way in his book of Confessions. He said, You have made us for Yourself. Our hearts are restless until we find their rest in You. Until our heart finds its rest in God and in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we will never ever be completely satisfied. The Holy Spirit has come for those who are thirsty. Jesus says that right there. He he talks about it. All who are thirsty, come to Me and drink. But here's the second reality I want us to take home today. If, God, if the Holy Spirit comes for those who are thirsty, here's the second reality. Those thirsty who come will be satisfied. Are you satisfied? I want you to leave content. I want you to leave full up. I want you to leave out of here today having your cup full 
and knowing how to live day to day with a very full cup of God's Holy Spirit to where you're spilling, actually spilling Him out. That's a pretty cool thought. And we'll talk about getting drunk in a few weeks. That should bring a good crowd. We're going to talk about getting drunk and how to stay drunk. All right? To live a life of drunkenness. I'll leave you in suspense. Come thirsty. Come thirsty. Come broken. Come thirsty. Come hungry. And let the Holy Spirit satisfy you. This is what Jesus said in six, John chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus said, He who believes in Me will never thirst. John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. He says this, everyone, he said this to the woman at the well who was drawing out physical water so Jesus could have a drink. Well, Jesus turns around and says this to the, the woman at the well. Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give them will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Now listen to just what he said there. I want to give you three words. He said water, he said satisfaction, he said never ending. He's going to put water in us that will satisfy us, that will never end. Those two verses say all of that. Water in us, the Spirit of God in us, satisfying our greatest needs, going with us all the way so that when the end, we have Him to the end. Every time, you do your own study on this and prove me wrong, every time the Holy Spirit is referred to in the Gospels, it's being referred to Jesus' Spirit. Okay? Now the interesting thing about that is, is that we say as, uh, as to our children, do you have Jesus in your heart? Ask Jesus in your heart. Ask Jesus. You know, I always had a hard time with that because I'm thinking, I don't see Jesus. But what Jesus did is He sent His Spirit to indwell everybody and to satisfy them. Everybody who will accept Jesus will receive His Spirit, and those who receive His Spirit will have that satisfaction that will, that will go to this. How does He satisfy? Here it is, two things. Number one, you will be able to personally connect with God now. What did I say? I said it starts with God. God the Father sent Jesus. Jesus sent the Son. The, the, the Son sent the Spirit, and the Spirit comes and dwells inside of us so that, that as I pray, I can pray inside my heart, I can pray with my lips, Jesus is nowhere around. I don't see Jesus anywhere. But because the Spirit of God is in me, He is communicating to Jesus. Jesus is communicating to the Father. We pray to the Father. They're all one. We're not, it's not modalism here where Jesus takes on th- or God takes on three different forms. God is just three in one. Now, again, this is one of those ocean things. We're not going to understand that. The fact is, is that when the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, He is connecting you to God John chapter 16, verse 14 and 15 says, He will bring glory to me by, Jesus is speaking, by taking from what is mine, Jesus, what is His, and making it known to you, and that belongs to the Father is mine. So you see the connection there? The Father has what He has, and He's given it to Jesus, and Jesus has given it to the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to give it to us. Now, keep going with me there. Verse, uh, verse uh, keep reading. That... That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. God's Spirit living inside of you is speaking God's truth to you and is connecting you to God. This is really hard to understand and wrap our arms around. 
But Jesus connects us to the Father and the Holy Spirit connects us to Jesus. If you remember when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to him in the middle of the night because he was really inquiring, really trying to figure it all out, he was a seeker, he was a person who was thirsty, he was coming and asking Jesus all these questions. And what did Jesus say? He said, you've got to be born again. If you're going to go into the kingdom of heaven, if you're going to meet God, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus, can you imagine the guy? He's thinking, okay, my mother's this tall and I'm this tall. How am I going to fit back in mom? And this is exactly what's going on in his mind. He didn't didn't get it. It's kind of like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Jesus said, you've got to be born of the water, which is that natural birth, and you've got to be born of the spirit, which is a supernatural birth. You've got to be born twice. You've got to be a twice-born person in a once-born world. That's exactly what you've got to do if you're going to have this kind of relation. And so in John chapter 3, verse 5 to 7, it says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of the water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Again, that's that first physical birth. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And you shall be surprised when I say you must be born again. The Spirit of God must be an instigator of your life's relationship with God. Listen, if you got smart one day and said, I'm going to become a Christ follower, and you just decided in and of yourself, I really want to talk with you more about it because I don't think it happened that way. There had to be a work of God's Spirit inside of your spirit. It's mystical, I know. It's strange, I know. I can't put my arms around it. But here's the truth. I must be born of water, the natural birth, and I must be born of the Spirit. Can you say that of yourself? The Holy Spirit connects us to the Father. A 12-year-old boy was trying to explain this to some of his friends because one day in a Sunday morning service, he, he heard a message, maybe something like this, and he realized that he was not born of the Spirit. He had been born physically. Obviously, he was there, but he had not been born of the Spirit. So he, that day whenever the pastor was standing at the front and saying, hey, anybody who wants to become a Christ follower, come forward. And, and so this kid comes forward and, and his buddies at, in, in class, he was telling them about the decision and he was saying, how do you know God spoke to you? And they're rising him and giving him a hard time. How do you know God spoke to you? Do you see a vision? They're just kind of giving, pushing him, giving him a hard time. And finally he says, no, let me explain it to you. It's kind of like going fishing. And you feel this tug. He says, you feel this tug on the line and you can't see the fish, you can't smell the fish, you can't taste the fish. You don't know what the fish looks like, but you know there's a fish. Boy, I can remember the very first time I went fishing and catching that first fish, I kept thinking a little wave would come along. Oh, is that a fish? No. You you just think, boy, when you get a fish on the line, you know when you have a fish on the line. You know when it's caught on a limb. You know when it's all the, but you know there's a difference when that fish is on the line. He says, that's exactly what it's like. You know, you could come in here today and you would have, may have come in here today not exactly being able to identify that you were thirsty. But maybe what I've just described to you today is exactly who and where you are. You are thirsty. You have not been born of the Spirit. You have been born physically, but you've not been born of the Spirit. And you sit in here today, and right now, listen, right now, if I'm describing you, then just, just hang with me. Right now, you are feeling something inside of you that maybe you've never felt before. Or maybe you have felt it before, but you've been able to push it back. You've been able to ignore it. You're developing kind of a discipline in your own mind. Every time I go to church, I feel this. 
this tug, this pull. Every time I'm around this person, there's something about them. There's something about their faith walk with God that it just kind of pulls me in, just like that fish pulling on the line. And I feel drawn to it. All I can say to you is don't push back. Don't push back. Walk into it. That is God's Spirit calling you. Mystical? Yes, it is. Strange? Yes, it is. I can't think of anything else on the world that I've experienced that anywhere compares to that. When God begins to call, when God begins to work, when God begins to connect you with Jesus and you with the Father, don't push back. Here's the second the second reality about God satisfying you and how does He do it. He's, you will have a renewable resource inside of you. And we talked today in these rising gas prices about non-renewable resources. Well, let me tell you about a renewable resource that will live inside of you. The Holy Spirit of God comes and lives inside of every follower of Jesus Christ. Not those who can speak in tongues, only get it. Not because you've gone to this certain church and somebody's laid hands on you, do you get it? I believe every believer, every follower of Christ, everybody who bows their life to Jesus and says, I'm following you, Jesus. Everybody, listen, who fills that little tug, that little fishing line tug on their heart and they lean into it and they walk towards it and they start following Jesus. I believe everybody receives the gift of the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of them. Jesus said it like this in verse 38, He who believes in Me, as the Scripture said, from, this inmo- from His inmost being will flow rivers of living water. This is a renewable spring that is put inside of you that today when you need that water, it will be there. Tomorrow when you need that water, it will be there. The next crisis that comes in your life, that water will be there. That water, again, being the Holy Spirit. John 14, verse 17, it says this, the spirit of truth, the word cannot accept it. Because the world cannot accept it because it neither sees him nor knows him. See, that's the problem. What I'm talking about today, some of y'all have already zoned out because it's weird. Okay? It's mystic. And I can't again, we're diving in the ocean today. Turning on the tap, but we're diving in the ocean today. It's weird and it's hard to understand. You can't put your arms around it, especially those logical minds out there. You really have a hard time with it. The world cannot accept Him because they neither see or know Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be with you, will be in you. The follower of Christ lives differently because the Spirit of Christ is in them. There's a difference. There's a drastic difference. I, I want you to focus as we close today on this statement. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience, but we are spiritual beings having a human experience. I've read that statement a number of times, but I pulled it back out late yesterday evening. And when I read that, I said, that's it. If we could grasp that statement and we could hang on to that statement, if we really embrace that statement, it would change everything. Am I a human being living in 
just having a spiritual experience on Sunday? Or am I really, in all reality, because I'm an eternal spiritual being and I'm actually going to live on even after my body is dead and after this human life is over, am I really, in all reality, a spiritual being having a human experience? See the difference? See, the difference is this, is that whenever I realize that I'm a spiritual being just living a human's life for a while, the reality is is that I have to start thinking long-term and big-picture thinking because now I have to think, okay, God is real and the Spirit is real and I need to follow Him and He knows the way and He's my connection point to God. Then I'm ready to jump in. Or are you a human just having a spiritual experience this Sunday morning? I hope that you will be a spiritual person just living out in the human flesh on this earth. Are you thirsty for God today? Will you allow Him to satisfy you today? I'll tell one final story of a a young man taking a very educated man on a trip down a river. This oarsman was just doing his job, what he would be hired out to do. This bright sage of a man climbed into the, into the canoe as he was being taken down the river and he was looking at the beautiful flowers and trees and, and all that kind of stuff. And he says to the oarsman, he said, Have you ever studied botany? And the oarsman said, No. He says, Oh, my son, you have missed 25% of life. He keeps rowing. And it goes a little further and the, in the, the, the sage reaches into the water in the river's bed and pulls up a rock and studies the strata of the rock and looks at it. He says, my son, have you ever studied geography? Have you ever studied the rock formations? Have you ever studied the earth and all, of, all the waters and the streams of the earth? Have you ever studied that? No, I haven't. He says, my son, you've missed 50% of life. He goes on a little further. The sun starts going down. The moon starts rising up. He starts seeing the starry skies poke out. And he says, Son, have you ever studied astronomy? He said, No, I've not studied astronomy. He says, You have missed 75% of life, my son. And finally, the oarsman notices downstream a rush of water coming at them. And as the water's rushing at them, he realizes the dam has broken down in front of them and that they're about to drown. And he says, overboard, he said, have you ever learned to swim to the, to the statesman? The oarsman said that to the statesman. And he said, no. He says, my friend, you have missed 100% of life. You know, if you aren't ready to die, you're really not ready to live. You're just a human being living in a spiritual world when really you need to understand you're a spiritual being living in a human's world for only a short time. If you're not ready to die, you're really not ready to live. Are you thirsty today? We're going to do just an old-fashioned opportunity for you to follow Jesus. Praise man, would you all come up here? Give you an opportunity. I'll be here at the front. Paul, I'm going to ask you to come stand right, right over here if you don't mind. I know you're on the praise band. I want you to stand right here. I'm going to be here, and Paul will be right here. But if you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm a human being, and I realize I've been a human being living in a spiritual world. I'm ready to be spiritual. 
And whatever happens, I'm ready, to, I'm ready for the Holy Spirit of God to come and live inside of me. If you've never made that commitment to Him, this is your opportunity. Because really, we're not going to be able to talk about the Holy Spirit much further, much deeper, much, much more lasting in your life until you get this one nailed down. This is, the most, this is where it all begins. This is when the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. This is when you give your life to Him, you confess your sin to Him, you say, God, I, I messed up my life, it hasn't been perfect, but I'm following Him. If that's you today, won't you come? They're going to sing. This is your opportunity. We'll be here. We're just going to pray with you, help you. We're not going to have you sing a solo or any, embarrass you in any way. This is your opportunity. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these moments, opportunities we have right now to reflect on you and to think about what you want to do in our lives. Lord, we'll not drag this out, but Lord, if your spirit is moving and working and calling that fishing line tugging on the heart if there's anybody in this room that does not know you, Lord. Would you help them to be bold enough to step out and to say, I don't know what to say, but I want to follow Jesus. I want the Spirit inside of me. I want that satisfying water.